Let me introduce myself. My name is Jason Lay Tafal. I come from a Polynesian descent. If you guys know who Tua Tongavailoa was for the Alabama, all right? I followed that dude his whole career. I did because he was representing the Polynesian people. Not not too many Polynesians, you know, go out for quarterback. They're usually like an offensive lineman, defense lineman, or, you know, whatever. You know, Troy Polamalu, all right? That's kinfolk right there. But when I got saved, it was about 14 years ago. About 22 years old, I'm now 36. And my life took a pivot in the wrong way. I mean, I had the, the talent to play the game, football. And I was attending the JC in San Diego for about two years. And I had a twin brother look just like me. I know it's hard to believe that. All right. He was a little taller than me, but we both played defensive end. He played on the other side and I played on the opposite side. And, uh, our first year playing together, it was a great year. I think we came out 6-4 season. He found his, his sweetheart, ran off, got married with her. And he, football just went out the door from there for him. But anyways, my second year came up and uh, it was kind of weird not playing alongside of him because my twin brother was always there with me. Where I went, he went. And coming down to the end of the season, my counselor at the same time was my head coach. And he gave me the classes. He, he picked out every single class I needed to, to graduate and go on to a four-year university. At the end of that season, I was walking through the halls of the, of the college. An athletic director came and he called me. He was dressed up. He was suited up on a Saturday. And he says, Jason, come over here. And I ran, I kind of, I met him. I kind of, you know, was walking fast toward him. And I said, what's going on? And he said, hey, I heard you're taking a trip out to University of Washington. And he said, I want to take a look at your transcripts. I thought that was kind of weird. So I walk with him to his office. He prints out my transcripts and his eyes kind of lit up. Like, oh my goodness, Jason, you have four classes here that are non-transferable. And he said, who is your counselor? I said, Coach Moss was my counselor. He says, you need to go talk. You need to go talk. It was about a 10-minute walk from where I was to the counseling office. Was. He was up on the third floor, got there, and uh, uh, there was a lady at the desk. And I said, ma'am, I, I really need to speak to Coach Moss. It's very urgent. And she kind of smiled. And she said, Jason, Coach Moss is not here with us. He resigned. He didn't even tell the team that. He didn't tell the team that he was going to resign and quit. And uh, my love for football from that point, it died right there. You know, I trusted this guy with my life. He had the power to give me the classes that I needed to transfer, but I had to start all the way from scratch. Anyways. My life took a pivot, got into, you know, things that, you know, most guys get into, you know, drugs, alcohol, whatever, you name it. It stripped me of everything. I got kicked out of every single family member's house in San Diego because of the lifestyle that I chose. And growing up, I had a general fear of who God was. I mean, we grew up in church. We knew that God sent his son, the Lord Jesus Christ, to die for our sins. I knew all of that. 
But there was one thing that I was missing is I didn't have that personal relationship with him. You can take your favorite star athlete or whatever. You can know all the statistics about that person. But the only thing that you and I are missing is that relationship with that person. I can know everything about Kobe Bryant. The only thing I don't have is that relationship. I don't know him personally. And that was the same thing. I didn't know God personally. Guys, I want to be real transparent tonight and real. And that's the only way I know how to do it. And if I can't do that, I, I might as well not preach tonight. Third time I was in jail, I had a warrant out for my arrest. I just got done. I got so high. Went back to the house. I was probably there for about five minutes in my room. My aunt comes in the house, rushing in the door. She darts in my room. She says, Jason, there's a sheriff out saying he has a warrant out for your arrest. And I come out, no words. Brother Ken, two sheriff guys come in there, pat me down. Put handcuffs. I'm getting handcuffs in front of my family. My cousin, little cousin's looking at me. I was so embarrassed, you know. That's how I knew I needed, I needed to know God. I still remember that day like it was this. I said, I need, I need to know who God is. Everything was going down. Football. I loved that game. For a while, I was angry at God. He took that away from me. I said, why, God? I was running faster than most running backs at the time. And the coach had to call us back. He said, why is Jason and Jesse, that's my twin brother's name, why are they running faster than the running backs? And I loved it. You know, I said, if I go to school, I might as well hit people going along with it, right? If I'm going to college, I'm going to hit somebody, okay? But May 11, 2007 came. And I'm fast-forwarding a little bit. My twin brother got saved before I did. It was, he got saved in January 2007, but it took about four or five months him to call me about it. And he said, bro, I want to I invite you out to church. There's this program, program they have. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it. It's called Reformers Unanimous. You know, it's advertised as an addiction program, but it was more than that. It was like a intense discipleship program to help you have a better walk with the Lord. You know, and people that were very real, you know, people shared stories about where they've been through life and where they came from and, you know, didn't have nothing, you know. And when I got out of jail, I called my brother to pick me up. And, you know, I wasn't thinking about the hypocrisy. I wasn't thinking about hypocrites in the church, and we all hear that. You know, there's hypocrites when you went to Walmart today. You know, standing right next to you. There's hypocrites everywhere. And I didn't think about that. My intentions was I need to know who God was, who he is. And I said, bro, pick me up. He picked me up, went, drove on Friday night down to Lighthouse Baptist Church in Lemon Grove, California. And I got there and they put up a video. His name was Steve Currington. He was the founder and when they put him up on the screen, I said, you know what? That's what I want. The way he was preaching the word of God was different. I mean, this guy was so fired up about the word of God. I never seen anyone preach like that before. 
And I said to myself, I want what he, what he has. I want that. Invitation came. I'm kind of speeding up a little bit. And the preacher started preaching. He was preaching on hell and everything. And it kind of, it frightened me. And when he gave that invitation, I was like, you know what? I don't even know if I'm going to heaven. Right after that, I didn't know anything about salvation. I just had some thought just because I knew who Jesus Christ was. I was going to be there. You know, because I was in church, I was going to be there just like all of us before we got saved. But that night I knew 100% I was not going to be there. Preacher said, hey, if you're not sure, raise your hand. I didn't raise my hand the first time. I did. I looked around. I was like this and I was looking around. Preacher looked right at me. (laughs) You know, and he said, don't be ashamed about what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you. Because he said, you will die and be ashamed for all eternity. Man, that, that frightened me. That scared the living whatever out of me, okay? My hand went up. A guy came. He touched me on the shoulder, and he took me in the back room where there were some steps. We sat down right there, and he looked at me very stern. He put his leg on the step, and he looked at me like this. He said, Jason, why are you here? I said, because I want to I want to get saved. And so he gave me some questions. If you ever stolen something, I said, yeah, okay. Well, the word of God says thou shalt not steal. And the word of God was was cutting me up. It was it was cutting me up. And he said, by the time he got to the third one, have you ever committed adultery? I said, yeah, I started crying. I started weeping. Snot was coming down my nose. He put his hand on my back. He said, brother Jason, everything's going to be OK. He showed me Romans 10, 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus and shalt believe, that right there changed it for me. And I said, that's it. The light bulb came on. And I truly believe from that scripture right there, I was saved because I felt like a ton of bricks already been lifted off already. And I couldn't believe it. I walked out that door. My brother, my twin brother saw me from across the room. He said, I knew you were saved. He said, your countenance was glowing. It was shining. And you know, they, they, they had the nerve to let me take the trash out that night. <laughs> All right. They said, hey, Jason, uh, take the trash. The dumpster is about like, I don't know, about a half a mile long, okay, to the dumpster. But you know what? When I was holding that bag of trash and I was walking, I was looking up and I said, wow, I'm saved. I, wow, I'm truly saved. I felt different, you know. And we all have stories like that. You know, and then I got involved in ministry and many things before that, before I go any further about that. I got away from the Lord about three months. I saw some of my old friends, man. And uh, it just took one puff, man, one hit. I fell back, you know. know, God, God led me to a huge humiliation lesson i didn't like it i did not like it but you know what it changed me and um when i when i came through all that i got back to church and everyone asked me why i was you know what happened to you and the brother saw my bible it was it was ripped up pages were falling out and he said you know after this service we'll go back and We'll buy you another Bible. We'll go to the bookstore. 
I'm still using this Bible to this day. I've been having it for like 11 years now. He didn't have the he didn't have the money to actually pay for this. He didn't have enough. But another brother was in the bookstore. He kind of heard us, kind of heard him saying, "I don't have enough of this." And that brother over there said, "You know what? Here's 20 bucks. I'm gonna invest in this Bible." And I praise God for that person because it's 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 still going to good use. Amen. I'm still using this thing. And God bless that man, you know, and praise God for it. Amen. Praise God for grace. We get to wake up with grace. We get to wake up to his mercy. Amen. We, I mean, we got it good. Yes, we do. We got it good. We have something to look forward to each and every day. Like, wow, I'm going to heaven. I know sometimes it doesn't feel like it, but you are. Even though that's not your state, but it is your standing. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. Anyways, I met my wife. You know, we were serving together in ministry. We went to prayer meetings together. We served together in convalescent ministry. You know, that's where I was serving at at the time. And when I got married, she came along with me. You know, and I've been there for about seven years serving the convalescent ministry. It's funny, you know, because my wife used to make fun of me. And uh, there is this book by Dr. Don Sisk. I don't know if you guys are familiar with him. It was called The Fourth Quarter. And I said, when I went to go preach at the convalescent ministry, some of them look like they're on their fourth quarter. And I said, you know, I know some of you guys are on your fourth quarter right now. We got done, got in the car. My wife said, don't you say that anymore. I said, they don't need to know that they're going to die. They're already dying already, all right? But it's been a ride. It has been a humbling experience in this journey of life of the Lord. You know, this new life called Christianity. You know, churchianity, that's religious. It needs to be about Christianity. Two people get so caught up with churchianity, they got to look a certain way. You got to do this. You got to, you know, if you don't look a certain way, you can't fit in with this crowd. I'm not for that. I'm for real, biblical, sound Christianity, folks. Amen. And I thank each and every one of you guys for welcoming my family, my wife and I. You know, you guys have been so sweet to us. Brother Jim, you've been an encouragement every time you step up in this pulpit. He is, isn't he? Man, Brother Jim, we can all go home after you say the announcements, okay? (laughs) But you have been a blessing every time you step up here personally to me, and I thank you for that. Brother Kerry, thank you for that message this morning. It is a good reminder and a refresher that we have a voice and we need to do that. You know? But if you got your Bibles, turn with me to Luke 22. Okay, I hope I wasn't speaking too long. All right. We got about what? Six and a half hours left? Okay. Luke 22. And if you're there, just say amen. All right, we'll start. Reading in uh, verse number one, and I'm going to stop at verse 32. Let's read. Now the feast of the unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and the scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains 
how they might betray him unto them. And they were glad and covenant to give him money. And he promised and sought opportunity to betray him unto them in the absence of the multitude. Then came the day of the unleavened bread when the Passover must be killed. And he sent Peter and John saying, go and prepare us the Passover that we may eat. And they said unto him, where wilt thou that we prepare? And he said unto them, behold, when ye are entered into the city, there shall a man meet you bearing a pitcher of water. Follow him into the house where he entereth in. And he shall say unto the good man of the house, the master saith unto thee, where is the guest chamber where I shall eat the Passover with my disciples? He shall show you a large upper room furnished there make ready. And they went and found as he had said unto them, and they made ready the Passover. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. Now take note of this very unique passage right here, very remarkable what the Lord Jesus Christ is going to say. Because I'm going to refer back to this. And he said unto them, with desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it be fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them, saying, this is my body, which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrayeth me is with me on this table. And truly the son of man goeth as it was determined. But woe unto the man by whom he is betrayed. And they begin to inquire among themselves, which of them it was that should do this thing. And there was also a strife among them, which is of them that should be accounted the greatest. And he said unto them, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and they that exercise authority upon them are called benefactors. But ye shall not be so. But he that is greatest among you, let him be as a younger. And he that is chief, as he that does, does serve. But whatever is greater, he that, that sitteth at meat, or he that serveth. Is he not that sitteth at meat, but I am among you, as he that serveth. Ye are they which have continued with me in my temptations. And I appoint unto you a kingdom as my father hath appointed unto me. that ye may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. 31 and 32. And the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to sift you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee. That thou faith failed not, and thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for what you have done for us. Thank you for your word. Thank you for your Holy Spirit you have given each and every one who is saved. God, I pray that you'll show up in a great and mighty way, Father. Keep me low, Father. May you be praised, magnified this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Maybe seated. When I read this account, it's so remarkable. 
you know, when you read a certain passage and, and you get a lot of things out of it and then there's just certain things that, wow, I didn't know that was there until you read it again. The word of God is just inexhaustible. All right. It just keeps popping up things, new things. And it's like, wow, you know, uh, maybe that was just blocked from your uh, pineal gland or something. But we praise God for that. And what I've seen in these passages is so remarkable. The account where Judas is betraying the Lord Jesus Christ through the Sanhedrin army. For what? 30 pieces of silver. Wow. How? mind-boggling that he will do such a thing. But it's also mind-boggling that Christians will actually do the same for what? Fame, for whatever it may be, status quo, you know, uh, be seen of man, you know. Here we find someone who's betraying the Lord Jesus Christ, the God who came and wrapped himself in flesh through his son. And we know later on that he made an attempt to give that money back to the chief priest. You know, he ended up hanging himself. But then again, those chief priests turned around and bought land with it. You can find that out in Acts chapter 1, verse 18. How they used the reward of iniquity to buy land. They call it the, the field of blood is what they called it. But besides all that, I want to get to a point that you and I struggle with maybe every day. Not every day. It's somewhat every hour. (laughs) You and I don't like going through this. I definitely don't like going through this. But it is extreme conducive for the Christian we must have to, we must go through this. It's imperative. You and I need to grow. How are we going to grow? There's only one thing that can grow in a Christian's life. When I come to this point and I, and I see this right here, someone has a desire to fellowship with us. There's Lord Jesus Christ. Look at 15 again. And he said unto them, with desire, I have desire to eat this Passover with you. You know, the Lord Jesus Christ desired the intimate relationship with his disciples. He obtained to want to be with them. That word desire means to obtain. He craved to be around his disciples. He wants that relationship with them. Do you desire the same? Do I desire the same? Then I kept reading on. I kept reading on and got down to verse 31. And I said, well, check that out. I ain't never seen that. (laughs) I ain't never seen that before. And then Jesus Christ turns around. You can almost picture it in your mind how he's sitting there at the table. I don't know where Peter was at the table, but you can just visualize it in your mind. He turns around and says, Simon. Simon, behold, Satan had desire to have you, that he may shift you as wheat. You want to know who also desires to have us? There's two people that desire us, the Lord. There's one more person who desires to have us too, and it's Satan. Let me tell you something. Satan has a desire to have you and I. 
And if he finds anything that can, he can get in, he'll get in. It can be the smallest of cracks. But it's amazing how the Lord Jesus Christ says, hey, Simon, Satan had a desire to have you, but it almost is like he has to go through it. The Lord Jesus Christ has allowed this to take place in Simon's life in order for him to what? Something has to come out of him. Something had to come out of Peter. But the Lord Jesus Christ is going to use Satan to whatever it is that needs to get out of him. It's a shifting process that you and I don't like. And it feel like I've gone through a lot of them, too. <laughs> you know, we don't like it. But you know what this does here? It has to grow our faith. Our faith. All right? It's all about faith. It's never been about sight. As long as I've been a Christian, I mean, I've heard the, the hardest of ways. You know, man, I get to a point, you're on the mountaintop, and then boom, now you gotta get, you gotta get sifted again. You know? It's like you gotta get sifted again. Alright? Now sift is like a, a sieve by inward agitation. Alright? It's to try one's faith. To verge, check this out, to overthrow it. That's the biblical definition of sieve or sift. Alright? And what they do back in the Middle East is what they, they take that sieve and they, they, they will shake that flour. You know, they will, they will, they will shake it, sift it, sift it around. And when they go like this and they'll flip it up, that east winds will blow and all the impurities will come out of that flower. I come to find out, I said, you know what? There's, a, there's many a times where we get impurities stuck on us. And guess what? God has to take us through a sifting process that he's going to use Satan to sift that whatever it is out of us. I know it's not nice. I know it's not a pleasant ride or journey to go through, but I find out in my life when I have things going on in my life, I God says, all right, you know what? Maybe you have too much pride in you. The impurities is something that contaminates us, something that pollutes us. And God sees that. I can't see it in you right now. I can't. But God does. And there's some things that we'll never understand, you know, like, oh, why am I going through this trial? Why am I going through this right now? Where the Bible says, thinking not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. But what does it say? But rejoice in as much as what? That you are a partaker of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, you shall be what? Exceedingly joyful when you see that. Man, how are you doing tonight? Is your faith being tested today? My faith definitely has been tested for almost six years. You know what's so crazy? He put together notes and everything. It never goes the way he planned it. <laughs> it never goes the way you planned it. All right? But when you go through things, man, it, it just, Why? Why are we going through this? And look at here. Satan had desire to sift Peter. But I'm going to tell you something. Look at verse 56. But a certain maid beheld him. This is when they, they got Jesus and everything. And they took him into this, uh, in the house, the priest's house. Look at this. But a certain maid beheld him. And he sat by a fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. 
He denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not. It's amazing when, when I look at this, Peter says he denied him. And there's things in our lives when fear, fear happens. And this is what was taking place with Peter was he was in fear. Because what? They might have killed him too? I'm pretty sure they would have. He would have said, oh yeah, I'm with the Lord. And sometimes we act like, oh yeah, we're with the Lord. We're for the Lord. We're for the Lord until you say, I'll, I'll serve in the bus ministry, whatever. I know we don't have one here, but where I was, I was, I was serving in the bus ministry. I'll do this. I'll go door knocking. And you know what? And all of a sudden, I don't feel anything. Because you want to know why I was doing it all in the flesh. I was doing it all in the flesh. And sometimes God has to get us to a place where he has to sift pride out of us. Let me tell you, pride can't be in the, in the Christian's life. That is the number one cancer, spiritually speaking, as for a Christian. It kills us. And if so it, it, it boggles my mind that it, it's infiltrated the churches all over America. Pride has been taking place. Men have become the preeminence, not God. You know, God is supposed to be the executive, but man is over there standing up, flaunting himself like he is. But he look, look, look at what he says in verse 31. I'm going to park it there for a little bit. That word behold means to pay attention. Turn your eyes and mind to attention and desire to ask that one be given up to one from the power of another. Isn't that amazing? He allowed all this to happen. Lord Jesus Christ, I could see him just sitting back and he's watching this all take place. Isn't that amazing? There's sometimes he just has allowed to happen. Look at Job. He allowed Job to be tempted or, or messed up by Satan for a little while. He allowed it to happen. All right. And f- for the longest time, I remember when I got first married with my wife. And for six years, man, it, it felt like we always had to strive to, to get things. It seemed like we had to obey God. You know, we were going around seeing other people get blessed. People having kids and this per- this person got blessed. And it's like, you know, me and my wife were talking about it. Like, How come nothing's happening for us? For six years, we've seen people getting blessed. And it's like, man, I'm in my word. I'm praying. I'm preaching. And I understand why other people are getting blessed, but we're not. And there's many times where I feel like I want to give up. I say, God, do you see? Where are you at? Many times I feel like I just want to, man, forget this whole Christianity thing. I'm done with it. And all of a sudden, this one little thing, one little morsel God just gives. Keep me going. You know what, you, you know what, you know what didn't make me stop? It's what he said in his word. I'll never leave thee nor forsake thee. My faith in what God says, and you can put yourself there, what, what I believe about God and what he says about his word. You know the gap between those things is? It's faith. It's faith. 
you got to believe God's word. All right. And if you're not believing God's word, guess what? The grace of God is not going to work in your life. It's not going to unfold in your life. All right. Look, I wrote something here. It said God's grace requires a participating response of faith. And the only response that it will accept is faith. To activate what? To activate the grace in your life. Amen. Turn to turn to uh First Thessalonians chapter three. I'm going to read this real quick. Look, look at what it says. Sorry. First Thessalonians chapter two, verse 13. It says this. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which you have heard us heard of us, you received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God which effectually worketh also in you that believe. There it is. There it is. got to believe the word of God allowed to work in you. Ephesians 3.20, that's one of my favorite verses. Now unto him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that, we can ask or think according to the power which worketh in you. How much of that power is working in you today but to keep you going, to keep that faith going when you go through trials? I got to have God's power in me by faith. I couldn't find out this battle's not won by flesh. It is won by faith alone, and that's what it's going to be. Amen. And uh, through all through all those six and a half years, six and a half years being married to my wife, and we've gone through so much trials and battles. You could say you've gone there too. But there is one thing that God has been showing me throughout those six and a half years. Was my Ph.D. degree that was on the wall, my pride. I had a degree sticking there. been popping up every time. I had a hard time with pride. Man. And I really had to eat humble pie. You know, that's the only pie that doesn't go out of season. It stays in season all year round. Humble pie. All right. Humble pie. That keeps coming. And sometimes you don't want it, but you know what? I want it to grow in the Lord. I wanted that. All right. And sometimes Jesus has to turn up that heat and he uses Satan for that avenue to get that impurity. And so we can be more to get more out of our lives, out of our lives. That the grace of God its only by the grace of God to even allow that to happen. You know that he will use Satan to sift us. Try us. Let me tell you something. I know it ain't good, but you know what? He, he wants to. He, he has a desire to have you. You say, brother Jason, I don't feel it. Oh, let me tell you something. You get more deep with God, you're gonna feel Satan coming after you. You're gonna have more principalities and powers coming after you. You don't understand why this happened. You don't understand this person on the street cut you off. You just don't understand things. There's gonna be things that you're gonna be. It's gonna be trying you. Then you don't have no idea where that's coming from. You think to yourself, maybe I'm going through something. Maybe I'm getting sifted right now. I can honestly say throughout this half our time being here in Tennessee, things starting to look up now. You know, I got a good job you guys have been praying for. Supervisor, I never thought I'd be a supervisor. To be honest, true. You know, I got like a $7 raise within a month at a time. I'm serious. 
Like, wow. And you know what I said? I said, if it was worth me suffering for all those six and a half years to get to where I'm at now, you know what? It was worth it all. <laughs> it was worth it all. It's amazing where we are right now. More of that impurities need to come out. But God uses Satan as an avenue to sift that out of us. And when I look at Peter, we can go back to that text. We can we can look at this. Look at 62. After everything that he's done, he's denied. Look at back it up again. Sorry, 59. And about the space of one hour after another confidently affirmed saying of a truth, this fellow also was with him. For he is a Galilean. And Peter said, man, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately while he yet spake the cock. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. Peter remembered the word of the Lord. How he had said unto him, before the cock crowed, thou shalt deny me thrice. And Peter went out and wept bitterly. Have you ever wept bitterly? I mean, it's like a healing. It is. It's almost like a healing, you know. When you wept bitterly, I don't know if you might there's something wrong or God showed you something, took you something. You come to the altar, you're, you're just weeping. And it's almost like a healing, like almost something came out of you. Some kind of impurity came out of you. It could have been pride. It could have been stubbornness. It could have been uh, whatever the case may be. But when I, when I find, when I get to this point, and it's almost like I just feel new. You feel regenerated after this process. But look what he says in verse 32, the Lord Jesus Christ. But I prayed for thee. It is amazing that we have a God. The Lord Jesus Christ said, hey, Peter, I know I'm going to allow this to happen to you, okay? Satan's going to have to shift you, but hold up. I'm praying for you. Don't lose your faith, Peter. I'm praying for you. Don't lose your faith because when you get through this, it's almost Jesus Christ said he's already going to get through this because he said when when you're done getting through this, go and strengthen your brother. Your brethren, when thou art converted, when thou art changed. When we go through a process like this, something has to change within us. And if you're still the same, by God's grace, what are you doing? What are you and I doing? If you're still the same 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 years ago, however long you've been a Christian, you've not grown, maybe you're missing the point. You know, when I got into my Bible, or when I got saved, I couldn't, I couldn't wait to get in and read it. I couldn't wait to get home to go jump in my word and start reading scripture. And I mean, I didn't outline the whole book of John. I mean, everything was outlined. It's like, it didn't even make sense. Everything was, every line was outlined, you know? And I started growing. I started growing. And I'm, I'm not saying this in a powerful way. There was men that were, that were been saved for 30 years. And I didn't, I didn't pass them up because I had a desire to, to know the Lord. I had a desire to grow. And I said, I had men over here 30 years being saved and still in the same, same condition that, that, that they were in, you know, just miserable Christians. I don't understand that. I don't understand now how we have a great God who's been so good to us that he allows us to see his hand work profoundly in our lives. 
and how someone is sent there in a pew day in, day out, not doing anything about it. There's only two things that can happen to our soul. Check this out. You know what the soul is, right? It's your will, mind, and emotions. That's where our inner being, our inner man is. All right? That's where we get the, the seat of affections are. All right? That's where our passions and our emotions sit in the soul. All right? That's where we feel. There's the two things right here. The significance. We might feel other things, but to me, this is, this is the two significant things that we feel from the soul. One is liberation. All right? Feeling what God has done for us. He might have given us, you know, a blessing or whatever it may be. Maybe a revelation of God. And you see him better in a different way. Like, wow, I've never seen God that way before. Or whatever the feeling of liberation may be. You feel it from the soul. Number two is snared by fear. And our fear, when our soul gets gripped and fear begins to slap on the sidewalls of our soul, man, it takes us down. It really does. And we get stuck in our emotions. And we begin to wallow in our emotions, you know. And when you get to that point, remember what the Lord Jesus Christ said, that I'm praying for you. He's praying for me. He's our intercessor. Praise God for that. I'm, I'm thankful for grace because now that we have access by God that we can go to him, to his throne. I mean, every day they had to go to the tabernacle and sacrifice the land just to talk to the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we have access by faith that we can talk to God. And what a privilege that is. And I'm sick and tired of living this these mundane Christian life journeys that, that we go through and act like everything is just okay. But let me tell you something. This is real life. Satan is after you. He's after me. He's trying to sift me. He's trying to sift you. What are you doing with your faith today? Where is it at? Is it in your spouse? Is it in your $100,000 annual job that you have? Some of us may not have that much. (laughs) What is it? Where's your faith at? Is it in yourself? Confidence in self? Confidence in flesh? Is it in your appearance? Is it the way you dress and tuck your Bible and I mean, how is it? Where is your faith at today? And let me tell you something. I'm getting tested. Like you and I are. There's nothing new to me. I'm going to go through it again. Let me tell you something. Yeah, I, I, God, we're going to go through this together. Amen. But look at this. When I am converted, strengthen thy brethren. I'm going to park it right there for a little bit. God sees us and he wants to grow our potential to be a better Christian. And we always got to keep changing. You will never, ever stay the same. And uh, what is this? The Christian terminology is perfect. Perfect means maturity. That's what it means. And we're always got to be perfecting ourselves. Now, I'm not saying that we're going to be 100% perfect, not that kind, but as maturing in the Lord. And the only way that we can mature in the Lord is allow these things to happen to us. They have to. Why? We're partakers of Christ's suffering. Without sufferings, we're, you can forget about the trials. Man, forget about Christianity. 
That's part of the that's the package deal right there we have with the Lord. But guess what? He's with us. Though he caused grief, guess what? He also gives us the consolation at the same time. What a God. I'm going to say that again. Though he caused grief, he gives the consolation at the same time. Somebody say amen to that. That's a that's a blessing. Then we have a God who does that. He loves us so much that he will do that for us. Man. I read some of these encouraging verses. Look at this. There had no temptation taken, but such is common to man. The God is what? Faithful, who will not suffer you to be attempted above what you are able, but what? Exactly. When you're feeling that heat, let me tell you something. He's not going to take it away. He'll make a way for you to escape while that's on you. You have to feel that heat. Brother Ken, you have to feel that heat that is on you and I. But let me tell you something. You better have that faith eyes on because you better see God make a way for you. You better take it. There's so many people that God had made a way. They ain't taking it. Why? Because they choose to stand right here in this in this exact same place where they're at. They don't want to move. Ephesians 6, 11, 15, put on the whole armor of God. I mean, you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Oh, why he say that? Why did God tell us to put an armor on? Because we need it. We have an enemy, right? He said, look, the armor is on the front, not the back. God's, God's got my back. All right? God's got my back. Amen? The verse, uh, and then he says this, and your, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, I did a, a series on Ephesians chapter 6 at our old church that we just left. Man, I had a good time doing that. And when I got to the shoes, I was talking about the Roman shoes. They had little spikes on the bottom of their sandals. So they wouldn't move. They wouldn't slide in, in, in battle. Okay. And that's what is kind of depicting here when it's talking about the whole armor of God. is actually talking about that armor. And when you got the gospel, the preparation of peace, it's like, hey, you and I need to be saturated in the word of God. You and I need to be meditating on the word of God day and night. Blessed is the man that walketh not to the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the seat of the sinner or the scornful. When he said this, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. In his, in his life does he meditate therein day and night. He doesn't say you have to do it all day or all night. Make sure you're meditating on God's word somewhere a part of the day. Make sure you're meditating on God's word somewhere in the night. Amen. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but shalt thou meditate therein and night. Then shalt thou make, what do you say, to observe to do according to all that is written therein. And when we do that, we feel fixed. We feel confident, more confident that we can go out and live our life as Christians. I'm tired of living like a Christian who's just, I don't know what, I don't know what I'm saying right now. I, I feel like I've lived my life like a, like a coward as a Christian. I feel like I could have done more. I feel like I, I, I wasted some of my years of, of, of being who I could have been 
You know, but you know what? It's just a part of learning process for you and I. First Corinthians uh, 15, verse 10, he said, but by, by the grace of God, I am what I am. And by his grace, which was bestowed upon me, was not in vain. I like what Paul said, but I labored more abundantly than they all. Yet not I. He said this, yet not I, but the grace of God, which was with me. Wow. You want to know why Paul did more? You want to know why he kept going on? It's because it was the grace of God that was with him. He said, hey, it ain't going to be me that's going to labor. It's going to be God's grace that is with me. You drop down to verse 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For inasmuch as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Wow. If those ain't encouraging to you, I don't know where you're at. I don't know where I'd be without the word of God. I don't know where I'd be without conviction. I don't know where I'd be without my family. I don't know without being my, my wife telling me to keep going on. There's times where I, I have, I pout and have pity parties. <laughs> my wife says, why are you acting like that? Like, come on now. You know, my wife would do that. You know, it's like, you're better than that. You know, and we are, we are better than that. We are more than conquerors in Christ. Amen. Praise God for that. Jesus desires to have that relationship with us. He obtains to have that. Do I obtain that? Do you obtain that? Do you really truly obtain a relationship with the Lord today? How else are we going to see him in a better revelation but through his word? By faith. That's the only way you and I are going to grow. It's not going to be I got to see something. You know, that's that funny stuff on TBN and stuff. What they be doing, you know, that, 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 that's what they do, you know. And, uh, but I'm for true biblical sound doctrine. But remember this. Someone else also desires to have you. Satan. It's so amazing. It's, it's, it's both in the same chapter. Said Jesus had desire to eat this Passover with disciples, and he says later on, wait, hold up, Peter. Someone has a desire to have you too, and his name is Satan. But hold up, I prayed for thee. He already knew Peter was going to come out of it because he said, Hey, we're now converted, Peter. Go strengthen your brethren. Whatever you've gone through in your life, and you 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 come to that end, that pinnacle of that trial, do you ever go back and tell someone about what you've gone through? Have you ever gone back and said, brother, man, I went through this thing. And guess what God did? I seen his hand do this. I seen his hand move that out the way. He blessed me. This blessing came through. And, and guess what? I, I went through this to get that. Do you ever go back and tell someone about it? Why? Because it's going to strengthen your brethren. It's going to strengthen the next person that's sitting right next to you. Wow, God is real. <laughs> Amen, brother. But through all this shifting process, I'm about I'm about done. You know, through all this, I come to find out 
that the impurities, they need to leave. And then when they do leave, when you get to a stage of weeping, some of us may not weep. But I know I do. I, I do. After I come through a process of whatever it is God's taking me through and I realize what he's doing, I realize I understand, okay, God, you did this for a reason. I weep. I was weeping today when I was reading my Bible. I was. Man, I started crying because I was thinking about how God called me to preach, you know. And for the longest time, I was like five or eight months. I didn't surrender right away. I prayed. And I fasted. And I said, Lord, is this what you want me to do? Is this really what you want me to do? I said, it's not going to be me that's going to do it. I went to a conference in Lancaster. Pastor over there, Paul Chapel. I used to go to his conference almost every year. First year I went. Remember this. I'll tell you guys the story. Went with another guy and a, and a girl. And uh, he had to leave Monday. He went off. He went to go study. And then uh, we're having an evening service at 7 o'clock. And I said, Jason, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go study for my classes. I said, okay, I'm going to read. I'm going to do my devotions. And I'm going to get ready. And I'm going to go walk, and, you know, tour the campus. And as I was touring the campus, I got to the bookstore. A guy called me. And he kind of was waving over at me. He said, Jason. Me, he said, Jason. He didn't know me, right? <laughs> he said, hey, where are you from? I said, I'm from San Diego. He's like, oh, yeah. He said, hey, you know what? Uh, let me show you around the campus. So he showed me around the campus. I meet another guy. And this guy happened to be the pastor's son-in-law who was a uh, youth pastor. All right? Then I met another kid, and he was a son of a pastor. So it was like all this was happening. It was like God was telling me something. Okay, you need to preach. That's all I got out of it that whole day. All right. And then we met another guy and he said, hey, you know what? Before you guys take off, go get some books on preaching for Jason. He had no clue about it. Okay. I'm just telling you, this is how this is what the Lord was telling me that whole day until we got to that Monday night service. Preacher started preaching and he said this so profoundly. He said, if God calls you to preach, you better surrender tonight. And that was it. We went back to this uh, other building where they had refreshments and stuff like that. And there was a leather couch. And I started backing up. And the guy that I was with, he was like, Brother Jason, you all right? I said, yeah, I'm okay. I couldn't help myself. I started crying. I said, God called me to preach and I'm surrendering tonight. He just said, hey, man, he took his handkerchief. He's like, hey, man. <laughs> he said, we went down to that couch and we prayed. Man, I was sobbing. It felt like salvation again. You know, the gifts and calling of God are out without repentance. I can't take this calling back. I can't give it back to the Lord. I can't. He won't let me. You know, there's plenty of times where I say, I don't even know if you called me to preach, Lord. You know, there's many times where I want to throw this in the trash. You know, I don't know if I can do it, but you know what? He wouldn't let me give it up. He won't. I can't repent of this. God, take this gift back. I don't want it. But let me tell you something. It is a journey. And I don't know how your journey is going right now. Maybe you're not being tested. Maybe your faith is not being tested right now, but it will be. When you get yourself out the way, you will, you will see how God is working in your life because now it's going to, and now it's going to operate on faith. 
You, you've taken self out the way. Okay, God, show me the way now. What am I, what am I going through? There be some things you can never bear in your life. But by the grace of God, you can. And that's what makes us great Christians. Is by living this life of faith. Believing what he says and what I know about him. Like I said before, the gap between that is faith. Where are you at tonight? Jesus Christ desires to have our relationship. And Satan desires to have us. Then he may throw us off course. He wants us to get us so mixed up, off track for God. But you know what? God allowed it to happen. To strengthen your faith. To strengthen you and I. To become stronger spiritually for him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your goodness, Lord. Thank you for the message that you laid in my heart. God, I pray. If there's anyone going through something today or maybe in the near future, may you help them. May you strengthen them. May you help them to see by faith that your hand is always in every trial. In every heartache, Lord, you're always there. But I know that you need to come, Father. You need to guide us by your spirit through what we go through. And though you have a desire to be with us, Satan also has a desire to want to sift us, to get us off our track. But God, you allowing it to happen to grow our faith and that you're praying for us and that you are the intercessor. And so we thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. Amen.